Has my microphone broken like Frank Ribery's career? Welcome back to the Super Byron Podcast. We've got the whole gang back together this week. I'm Benjamin Scott, and as usual, I'm joined by Garrett Kerber. Hey, everybody. Tim Richards. Hello. And Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. We have got a lot to talk about this week, including our big preview for next weekend's huge match at Borussia Dortmund, and a certain player's wife taking to social media to voice her displeasure with Nico Kovac. But before we get into all that, we have a few results we need to work to work through, starting with Bayern's narrow DFB Pokal victory over 4th Division side SV Rodinghausen on Tuesday. The Bavarians traveled to Rodinghausen and escaped with a 2-1 win, thanks to some early goals from Sanjo Wagner and Thomas Muller. Uh, Bayern started off the game in an amazing fashion. They were dominant for about the first 25 minutes or so. Um, but then Renato Sanchez went to take a penalty and fired it off the crossbar, and everything seemed to sort of fall apart after that. So what went wrong for the boys in red on Tuesday? I think we're all too polite to answer. <laughs> um, I'll take it. Uh, this is another case of the team starting off really, really positively and then thinking, that'll do. So I don't know um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with cricket, but in cricket, in certain matches, you can uh, play and get as many runs as you want and then just say, yeah, we're done here. And then you can uh, declare. So you can say, OK, the opponent can just do what they want now. Try and reach that figure. It seems that Bayern have been doing that quite a lot recently, but after about 15 minutes when they're only up by like one or two goals, um, it's a problem that has been kind of prevalent for the past, I guess, like month and a half now. Um so it's nice to see that there's an element of consistency uh, where they, they'll do it across um, Champions League and against fourth division cup teams. Yeah, probably not the consistency that we'd like to see, but I think you're right. We have we are seeing um, a lot of this. So, I mean, what's the problem? How come Bayern keeps starting off so well, so dominant, and just kind of fall apart? Because usually we see this happening after like the other team does something good. Um, but I mean, this time Byron were were dominating the match. There's really no reason for them to kind of capitu- capitulate like they did. Um, surely, you know, a missed penalty from a young player who's just trying to build some confidence in Renato Sanchez. Uh, surely that can't throw them off that bad. I guess. I think uh, uh, so shall I start? Or okay. Uh, I th- I think I was a bit. Uh, I'm a bit I'm a bit unsure here how how well they played against this team because they are as we said from the Regionalliga which is the fourth division in Germany I'm really curious or I would be curious uh, as to how that would have played out against a better team because I think there were some strange decisions uh, in, involved then uh, they had Javi Martinez I think uh, as a, as a center back which was a strange decision I really did not understand that I was of the opinion that Kovac had now decided that he wants him as a DM and only as a DM. And I was really, really confused that he that he changed that and put Thiago on the six again. Uh, so I, I really wonder. I mean, it's it's not so hard. Uh, any Bayern Bayern team should should be able to 
win high against a, a team from the Regionalliga, really. So was it really that good or was it just looking good because the opposition was so weak? I mean, that's I'm not meaning to, to insult these guys, uh, but uh, three three divisions below the other team, that's always a tall order. And against Bayern, of, of all teams, that's even worse, I guess. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure if, if we don't... Uh, Yeah, overestimate what they had what they what they had been doing in this game. So you have seventy nine percent possession for the whole game, twenty five total shots, seven on target. Eight of those were blocked. They had eight corners. They hit the woodwork twice. Seven hundred eighty five passes, twenty three crosses, only thirty percent of those connect, and they were fifteen. Uh, they had fifteen successful dribbles out of twenty five for the match. Um, 17 shots inside the uh, inside the box and eight outside. Um, I think this is just. I think Nico is still uh, experimenting with what he likes best from this Bayern squad, and you would hope that you would see um, something different. You'd hope that you'd start to see some consistent um, idea of what the identity of this team is going into November. Um, and so that's frustrating, but I, I, I guess against, um, a fourth division side, maybe you feel like, Hey, let's just, let's just try some stuff, some more stuff and just see what else we have. I mean, we've been doing this all year, but, um, but maybe that's, it's hard to, to look in the mind of this guy right now. Um, but by all the statistics, you didn't do bad you just couldn't finish your chances and I, and that's been kind of indicative of the entire year for Bayern it seems like well sh surely if Kovac had in mind that he just wanted to go and try out some new new ideas um, in this match he would have you know given some playing time to some of these younger guys because they took with them um, four players from the second team and none of them even made their way I mean Maritan Shabani came in for like the final minute uh, and You know, he didn't, it doesn't really count as playing time. Um, so I think Kovac put out a lineup that he thought was going to dominate the match because we saw that they had so many players missing due to injury. Or, um, for example, that's why Javi Martinez was in central defense because, you know, Boateng and Hummels, I think Boateng and Hummels, uh, yeah, were both, were both injured. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just really lost for words. Thinking back to that match, it was after the first, you know, 20 or so minutes, it was really painful, honestly, to just watch the same old, like Gary, you talked about the crosses. It was like, uh, you mentioned like seven for, or they seven out of 30 connected or something like that. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I think not only this season, but for the past couple seasons, we've seen Byron just throwing cross after cross after cross, hoping that something will change and, um, nothing changes. Uh, but I hate to keep doing this, um, but Tim, what did you think about Frank Ribery in that match? Because he got he got lit up on Twitter um, for his inability to get past you know fourth division defenders, and you know obviously he was not the only Bayern player who disappointed in that match. The team as a whole was was pretty dreadful. Um, but you know we see yet again he. You know, he can't beat his defender, even when his defender is, you know, on paper miles below him in talent. So, I mean, what is going on there? I thought he was incredible. I thought he was a great player. 
No, I can't. Um, this was this was a really awful, awful performance from him. Like, I think I've got a good ability to be able to spin things in quite a positive way. Um, but yeah, this was this was quite terrible. Um, and obviously, it wasn't a narrow victory because of him. Um, loads of other players didn't really do that well either. But it was very noticeable with him. I think there have been times this season where uh, fans have criticised Ribéry for holding on to the ball for too long, for trying things that his body just can't do anymore. Like The list goes on of things saying, oh, why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? And nine times out of ten, I think, it's because when it does work, it, it works really, really well. So, you know, it's like if you don't ask, you don't get. And so if you don't try, nothing happens. But this particular game was almost objectively probably the worst performance that I've ever seen him put in. And you can see that I was looking on Twitter um, as the match was going on. When he came off, he was he was understandably angry to come off. I think people are taking are looking at that to say, oh, this guy doesn't want to go off. Like he's, he's refusing to acknowledge that like he's a bad player. In all honesty... Ribery is the sort of player that will look at his performance and think, I did so badly. I, I don't want to come off because I want to redeem myself. Right. Um, but yeah, he would have had to have done a lot to redeem himself from that performance. That was really, that was something special. So talking about redeeming himself, do you think there was any Byron player on the pitch for that match that put in a performance that was redemptive maybe for their own uh for their personal sake, I guess I should say. Hmm. Tough question, because I think really the best player on the field was probably Zule again. So he didn't have to redeem himself at all. I think uh, couldn't blame him for, for anything major this season. Yeah, I, I really did not understand why, why he didn't start the likes of Shabani or maybe even Mai at centre-back. I would have understood these kinds of changes. I, I I was really confused uh, what what he did there. I mean, I understand that he wants to play different guys, wants to try some something else, uh, wants to test some things. I perfectly understand that, but but really, uh, I would have I would have been really in favor of Ch- maybe Shabani for uh, on on the left side uh, in the starting lineup and try out Mai. I think Mai is is really potentially a very good player. Mm-hmm. Who uh, I think he ha- has he played at all this season? I don't think he has. Not with the first team. That. I really don't understand that, because that's something you could try against Rödinghausen, really. But I don't understand why, why he changed these pillars of what he was, what it seemed like he was he was trying to do recently. I mean, he always had had uh, Javi Martinez on the six and Thiago uh, in in front of him, basically. That's what he was trying to establish. I that that's what I thought. I have to say that's what I thought he was trying to do here. But now, now he's yeah he's removing those pillars again basically instead of trying the things we would really understand. So I, I can't really play I can't really blame those players for for not performing so well. I really blame this on Kovac I must say. Yeah, and I, I agree completely. And to build off what you just said, um, talking about Javi Martinez being at the six, he went with uh, Thiago at the six for for the match against Rodinghausen, and I don't understand why he was in the game at all. I mean when. You're already kind yeah. of thin due to injury. You don't put your best player on in a needless match like this. And then we see, uh, obviously, that Thiago left injured, and now he's out for four weeks. He's going to miss, you know, Bayern's biggest match of the season, 
this weekend and many more. So, no, I would agree. I think none of the players really impressed, but I think a lot of it does have to go on Kovac. All right, well, it was another, I mean, dominant performance statistically that Bayern just, they got the win, but you still kind of get the sense that they just wasted it. They wasted an opportunity to go out and, and dominate. And it's a theme that we saw echoed over the weekend when they played Freiburg on Saturday. Um, on paper, they were the dominant team for most of the match. You know, they dominated possession, they, do- they dominated the game, but they couldn't make it count. Uh, and around, I think it was the 80th minute, Serge Gnabry put them ahead with a pretty good goal. I thought he was really good throughout the whole entire game, but mm-hmm. he put them ahead, and you got the feeling like, okay, Bayern scraped by another point. It's not an ideal win, but, you know, it keeps the momentum going. And then they give up a goal just a few minutes later with, uh, we talked about this a, f- a few weeks ago, I believe, that teams are just taking advantage of the one chance they get against Bayern and putting it away, and that's exactly what we saw um, with Freiburg, uh, Nicholas Sula and Jerome Boateng were fantastic the whole game, and you know collectively they make one mistake, they lose their marker in the box, and Freiburg punished them. Uh, so then we have a, we end with a one-one draw with you know what should have been more than a one-zero win, but what could have been a one-zero win. Uh, who stood out to you guys from that match? I already mentioned Serge Gnabry, um, so if someone wants to carry on from there, but who other than him, who stood out for you guys? I still wonder why he can't get a full 90, (laughs) especially at that point in the match. You're 83 minutes. I I guess I understand, you know, thinking, you know, bring on Goretzka and, you know, just kind of try to salt this game away and, you know, just not. But, I mean, it clearly didn't work, Mm -hmm. um, giving up a goal so quick. Um, I just I just don't. I remember I was I wasn't able to watch the game live. I watched some of the highlights and stuff, and, and I remember watching the feed on on Twitter and, and thinking, finally, Nobry's going to be able to make it a full ninety and see what happens. He scores a goal, he looks good, and, and then it's like, oh no, he's coming off right after he scores his goal. Um, so that was frustrating for me. One of the the, the thing that I'm kind of uh, concerned about is that um, I don't want to I don't want to make any start any bad mojo or whatever but uh Neuer doesn't look right to me just looks a little bit slower to react he looks a little bit um I don't know if he's hurt or if he's just not if there's just you know maybe there's this larger problem um that we can talk about later with you know players behind the scenes but that the goal that they gave up um you know was a great pass um in and and obviously Sula had the brain fart and um probably could have been there to stop that pass in the first place but then um it just didn't it looked like a a shot that Neuer would have saved in the past and it's just not there right now and so um I don't know that's just one of the things that I kind of I've kind of wondered about um over the last few matches yeah looking at uh Twitter after the match I saw this stat it said Manuel Neuer has conceded eight goals from the last eight shots on target that he's faced in the Bundesliga. Uh, So I think that's, you know, the the statistic doesn't look good when you read it, but I think there's a lot more to it than just, you know, Manuel Neuer's not saving his shots. He might could have saved the one against uh, Freiburg, but I think that's pretty tough to put the blame on him. You know, if someone's, there's no one between him and the goal and, or the, whoever scored for Freiburg, I can't remember, but there's no one between him and the goal. And that's, you know, 
how most of the goals are coming against Byron this season is someone's getting in behind, and he's got this one on one. So I think that's a bit tough. Um, but well, and I'm not I'm not calling for for Ulrich to be the new starter or anything like that. I, I I my thought was just that that looked like one that normally we would have been like, thank God for Neuer, you know, and 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 it turned out to just be what you expect, I guess. And um, so there there's just not that there's just not that air of um, invincibility behind Neuer at this point that has been there in the past. And, um, and, and, and part of that's just, I, I think speaks to the early ongoings of the season. Some of the, some of the stats you look at and, and think, you know, maybe Byron are just dealing with a little bit of uh, luck issues to put it crassly, but um it just there's just something that seems off about everybody, and I just noticed it a little bit from uh, from Neuer on that um, on that shot. I think you can also turn this on its head. I mean, if if of the last eight goals or so there were no blatant mistakes, that also uh, says a lot. I think. I mean, you would you would expect if he gets at eight goals uh, with no uh, no uh, shots he he got. You would you would really have to expect that there were some major blunders in there, but but I don't think there were, and I think you te- you would tend to agree, I guess. So that's a strange situation. Luck obviously plays a role there. Yeah, so well, I think with any keeper, whether it's Manuel Neuer or um, I can't think of a really obscure goalkeeper. Sorry, it's been a long day. But um, whether you're the absolute best or the absolute worst, a goalkeeper is only as good as the amount of goals that he concedes. I think it's it's very it's a very unfair position. Um, so if he lets in three goals but has saved like ten like sure things, um, people are going to remember the goals that he conceded. Um, it's, it's the it's the same principle with Jerome Boateng. Like he, um, a few years ago, he was one of the best central defenders, but I suppose just general defenders uh, in the world. But then people are always going to remember. Oh, do you remember when Messi tripped him up? Like it's it's kind of it's the same with it's the complete opposite um, with forwards. Forwards are really only as good as the goals that they score. People very rarely remember the misses. Like as long as you as long as you're scoring goals, you're fine. Um, I don't know. I think it's quite un. I think it's, it's an unfair position, so it is difficult to really kind of accurately gauge just how good it is. I think uh, Loris Karius would have been your obscure goalkeeper to compare with. Yes, yeah, that's the exact person. I'm thinking of. <laughs> but you talked to, talking about forwards. It's someone I wanted to bring up next was Robert Lewandowski. Uh, and you could be forgiven for not realizing that he played against Freiburg because he was pretty invisible. Oh, yeah. and that's exactly where I, you know what I want to talk about. It's so disappointing um, for me, and I think Garrett can echo this. You know, after we defended him for the past couple podcasts, for him to come out and then he wasn't really involved in the build-up play. His link-up play wasn't particularly exceptional. Um, he just he really he wasn't there, uh, and. Not to jump ahead too much, but I do think this was a game that would have benefited from a player like Thomas Muller coming in, or either starting or coming in a little bit earlier, to provide that little extra element of unpredictability and you know have that player that will chase down the you know chase down the opposition defense when they're in possession 
and just try and cause a little bit of chaos, get something, you know, get something going for the attack. And Lewandowski was definitely not that player on Saturday. No, and I can remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how great it is to see him come out and say, "Oh yeah, we're doing this for the fans. Like we're we're really um, we're glad that we have everybody supporting us. Like we need the fans. I'm fully behind this team." Um, and he was playing really, really well. He was working with everybody. And then, much like Bayern as a whole, he had that burst of energy and then thought, I've done my bit. Hmm. January's almost here. I might try and force another move again. It's a bit it, harsh. It is. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I've got some other things going on at the time. <laughs> um, but it is, is I think the, the point stands, he has, he hasn't, in a way, kept up, he's not kept his word. Like it, he showed that he can, you know, be the difference maker. Um, games against uh, Frankfurt and um, and Wolfsburg and, and a couple of other games recently, where Bayern can look to him to be the person that wins the game. But now he's looking at other people to get him to win the game. And okay, in a way, that's kind of teamwork because you have to work with other people. But it does. It seems to be so one way with him. If we if we want to go on the uh, the Lewandowski uh, trip, uh, and first in goals, we do. always, first, yeah, and I believe we always, uh, he's first in goals on the team with five. Uh, he's tied for first uh, on the team in assists with three. I mean, this is Bundesliga um, stats, and he's first in the on the team in shots on target. Um. For for reference, second in goals is Hanez uh, with three, uh, tied for first in assists is Kimmich with three, and then uh, second in shots on target is Hanez with ten, um, and then you got in shots on target Robin with nine, Müller with four, Nabi with four, Alaba with three, Gross. but but basically, he's doing what you're asking a a, a number nine a striker to do. He's the 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 problem is is he's not finishing and that's and that is the problem of the entire Bayern squad um, in this campaign so far. If you look at um, you know and say what you will about expected goals or whatever, but in terms of expected goals, Bayern is underperforming. They've they their expected goals is almost twenty and they're, they've scored eighteen. Their expected goals allowed is just barely over seven and they've allowed 11 um and they by by all those accounts they should have the most points in the bundesliga um for reference another reference point uh dortmund is actually scoring about 10 more goals than their expected goals is telling them and um they've they've given up they've given up a couple less than um, what their expected goals against says so I, I think it's really easy to look at to look at the last 10, 13 matches across all the competitions and, and to look at and say, um, you know, X, Y, Z is wrong. And, and I and I just think that it's I really do. The more that I look at it and, and granted, this is just from a fan's perspective that doesn't really I don't feel like I have a, a ton of football knowledge um, to be able to parse out what's going wrong but but i do look at it and just say you know they they're getting good chances it's just not happening um kovac said it in the in the 
presser um, after the game that, you know, if, if Lewandowski's goal doesn't get, you know, blocked away by the shin of the goalkeeper, that's a totally different game. And he's, and he's hundred percent right. Um, and um, so I'll, I'm, I'm not, I'm disappointed that, uh, that, that I, after, after I, I stood up for him, after I did all that work, um, that he didn't come out and score five or six goals, but um, he just must not have got the message yet. Uh, we didn't get on iTunes until just recently, so you know now he'll now know. That's been the uh, problem all this time. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll, we'll message him on Twitter, let him know that he needs to step it up. But this, what you're talking about, Garrett, it kind of goes back to um, what someone mentioned just a few minutes ago, and that's the whole the idea that luck really hasn't been on Byron's side recently. And it's a lot easier to, with Nico Kovac coming in and everything kind of, you know, going so bad, uh, for Bayern going so bad, it's a lot easier to say, like, oh, Kovac obviously isn't the coach for us, or say, you know, these players are all past their prime, than it is to look at the statistics, to look at the expected goals and think, okay, maybe luck just isn't on our side. Maybe, you know, the shots that usually in the past would be going in, they're just not going in. Um, And... (laughs) With football, you know, luck comes and goes. There will be periods where it's not on your side, and then it will come back. So I do think a lot of it can be uh, just – I think a lot of it can be taken back to luck, but I'm not sure that it is all luck. Um, I think think that the the other important thing to remember um, is that things weren't all rosy um when Kovacs came in uh it wasn't like you know they were just destroying teams left and right in the Champions League and you know it was a complete I mean the the Bundesliga was a walk in the park last year um after you know Heinkes took over but um but but there was cracks were beginning to show and 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 I don't know that there was enough done in the off season and, and maybe that's someone Kovac um but certainly on the board um, to to patch up those cracks, and I think also to kind of allude to a, a point of re- a topic later is that you know when you have a 34 year old winger and a 35 year old winger that you're relying on not super heavily but pretty heavily at this point to to get you goals. Um, I don't know of any other giant club in the world that you know. It, that's going to work for. Um, and so to some degree, yeah, I mean, you do create your own luck and, and you're responsible for that. Um, and, and I don't necessarily even agree with the, uh, the whole notion of luck, but it's just kind of the Bayern is not getting the breaks that maybe they're used to getting. I mean, uh, some might argue that they're getting breaks um, in the refereeing decisions, but, but I just, the ball is not bouncing their way right now. And um, they just got to keep fighting through it. Yeah, I think I think all of that is true. I think luck plays a big role. Yeah, they didn't have the best of luck. I would totally agree. And yeah, some players are past their prime. I would also agree. But the real issue for me is neither of the two. The real issue for me is that you need to plan how to deal with that. But I don't think... I think Kovac hasn't won at the moment. I have the feeling that Kovac just keeps rolling the dice again and again. He just tries to do something new really just like he's rolling the dice and just okay it's a six so i will i will play uh martinez on, you know, as a center back now and uh, it's, it's it really looks like that i don't see any system to that there's there's nothing 
that I could say he's trying to achieve this, he's trying to achieve that. I really thought we, we last week I would have argued that there is this plan and he's trying to play like this or like that, but I don't see that anymore and that's my real issue here. I, I fear that, that, that Kovac is basically, yeah, he's afraid. I think I feel like he, he's probably afraid. He's just try, trying to do what he thinks people want him to do or something like that. Maybe what the fans want him to do or what Rummenigge and Hoeneß want him to do. I don't know. Maybe what the players, what he thinks the players want him to do. I don't know. Something like that, maybe. But I really don't understand a lot of those decisions. And that's what really frustrates me at, at the moment with, with the team. I, I really don't know where, where this is where this is going to lead when, when there is no idea, no plan, no, nothing like that. As I said, yeah, Ribery is probably past his prime, but there, there can be a plan for that. You can you can work such a player in, into your squad and it works, but it, it just it doesn't just happen by 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 some some kind of luck or something like that. You need a plan to do that. You need to say, okay, we are trying to play this kind of football, and Ribery's role in this can be X Y Z. Something like that, but but I don't see that at all. He's just acting like, yeah, Ribery can do the same things he has been doing for the last I don't know ten years or something like that. But but it's just not materializing. And yeah, you need a solution for that. You need you need a plan to make that work. But I don't see that plan right now. Well, Sebastian, that provides the perfect segue into our next segment um talking about how Niko Kovac hasn't really found the answers to Bayern's struggles or that he hasn't um, really come up with a good solution and stuck with it yet uh, we talked we've talked in the past and you know even a little bit earlier about how all the blame can't be on him it's just it's really unfair to say that but I mean have we finally reached the point where his position at the club or his future with the club needs to be taken into serious consideration um and if not, you know, how, how long until that is the case? How long until we, we really look at him and say, okay, you know, show us what you've got or we have to we have to consider whether it's right for you to stay? I would say if the Dortmund game goes miserably wrong, he might be gone. If it's like 1-6 or something like that, he's maybe gone, I would say. And I would not, I would, I would, I would not think that that's totally impossible right now. When I when I look uh, when I when I watch the Dortmund game, could happen. I would not say that's that's totally impossible. I mean, I hope not, but yeah, maybe that happens. Uh, Tim Garrett, agree, disagree? Uh, what are your thoughts on Kovac and how long he may have? I think that the position that Kovac has been put in is one of most caretaker managers. So he hasn't picked this squad. Okay, it's a great squad on paper, so he shouldn't really have any problems in the first place. But the fact that he hasn't chosen any new players, um, he was given the squad and told, you're not getting anybody new. If anything, you have to get rid of players. I think he's been put into a really difficult um, really difficult situation. Um, maybe not really difficult. He should, he, you know, maybe he should be doing better than how he's currently doing. Um, I think... This is planning way into the future. I want to see what he can do after a season. Because if you get rid of the manager after 15 games, that doesn't solve the problems. Because the problems extend way beyond just the manager. 
if you sack the manager after 15 games, that doesn't solve the problems. That just hides them for a bit. Like that just prolongs the period of quite a necessary change and development in the in the team yeah. and the club as a whole. Yeah, and to go with that, I mean, that's just not a good look for you know whoever may be his replacement to look at this and you know see the situation. That I would agree with you. It's completely unfair to Kovac to say uh, this is your squad. Um, you know, on paper it is a, it is a great squad, but this is your squad. You can't make any of the additions. We're going to take away some players from you. Uh, go out and you have to you know start off the season in some spectacular fashion. So I do think it's a bit unfair. Um, Byron may or may not take that into consideration, or may or may not care, but. I just think if they do fire him at this point, bar a ridiculous, you know, five note five zero loss to Dortmund or something like that, I think it's not a good look for other managers who may want to come to the club to see the situation that Kovac was thrown into. Because what's going to stop it from being any different from them? You know, what makes them think that the Bayern board is going to allow them to spend the money as freely as they'd like, or to bring in some players that they'd like, and you know, when things go south for them. Are they going to be fired just as quickly? Um, so I, I do agree. I think it is a bit unfair, maybe. Uh, Garrett, what about you, your thoughts on, on the whole situation? So I, I agree with, with uh, Tim that um, I think he's been put into a difficult situation. And, I, and there is a part of me that wonders if he's a little bit out of his depth um, at, at Bayern. And, but that's really neither here nor there um, at this point. I, you're still just four points back of uh, top spot in the Bundesliga. Um, you're still looking like you're going to progress in the Champions League. Uh, the time to be patient is is now. I think, uh, like the other guy said, you know, if you you lose six nil at at uh, Dortmund, then you know, <laughs> all maybe different story, but. But if you, I mean, I think that he could even, he could lose by one goal or possibly even two goals to, to Dortmund. Um, and still, I would still be wanting them to be patient with him. I, I have written down December 19th against Red Bull, or sorry, Rosenborgsport, uh, <laughs> Leipzig. Uh, they they uh, on the 19th of December is is it's one game before the uh, the winter break. If that by that point uh, Bayern has dropped more than just the one loss, I, I think if you can if you come out of that with more than just one loss, then maybe it's time to to cut ties and and move forward. That gives you enough time to find a new manager. They got the whole. Uh, winter transfer window to work with um and and maybe you can still manage to to make something of this but i i totally agree if you if you fire him after 15 matches you're you're going to leave yourself in the same position next year as as you are right now you, you you're just waiting for someone to fix something that as i said before you have a 34 year old and a 35 year old winger that are wanting to play like they're starters and it's just it's just not that does not happen um, in today's football. I guess it's really tough tough to say uh, how much is to uh, how much Kovac is to blame for that and how much the board is to blame blame really. 
Uh, I think there are, there are two, there are two ways uh, th this could look from the inside. Either Kovac is seeing his own position, like you said, Benjamin. He maybe he he feels the same way and says, "Oh man, I could have used two or three new players, and then everything would be fine." But maybe on the other hand, maybe Kovac is really behind this. Maybe he he really says, "Okay, I'm to I totally agree with the board. We need to go through this season uh, with this s small squad, and that's perfectly fine." Because I, I really, I think we talked about that three weeks ago or something like that. I can't imagine that that they would have told Kovac, "No, you can't get one single player." I, I cannot imagine that that it's really like that. Why would Kovac ever have signed such a contract, really? I, 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 I think. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think? I think Garrett made a fair point. I think that by the winter break, um, I think we'll have a much better idea of whether or not this is a Kovac issue, or. Or if it's, you know, how much of a Kovac issue, I guess I should say, that it actually is. Um, and I think if we make it to that point, and he's starting to prove or showing, a, you know, a few better signs of life, I think something really key for Byron and for him specifically, would be for the board to let him bring in at least one player that he wants, you know. Obviously, they're going to cost a little bit more because it's the winter break, and you don't want to overcrowd the offense or anything, but I think it would be, you know, a massive statement from the club to say, okay, who do you want? And we're going to do our best to go get him. Whether it's, you know, that touch-to-touch -touch forward, uh, to quote Tim, that, like Anthony Martial, Memphis Depay, someone like that, or even Nabil Fekir that we've talked about, or just, you know, <laughs> Paulo Dybala, obviously, we'll get to that um, later. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be really important for the board to say, okay, we'll get you somebody, even if it's just some backup that he likes a little bit, even if it's Ante Rebic. Um so I think by the winter break we will know a little bit more. Well, and you need to they, the players have to buy in. There can't be there can't be these these leaks that come out and say you know it's fine if you're unhappy. I mean you're not playing up to your potential. That's fine. I I don't have any problem with being unhappy. But if you are intentionally letting it or not intentionally, but if you are letting that unhappiness affect how much you buy into the system, then you're never going, that's not going to work for any manager. If, if, if you, you have to have buy-in from the players. The players have to buy in, um, uh, in their own minds. Uh, and, uh, and then if it, if it fails, it fails. And we know, but, but this, the, we can't consistently have these rumors of players undermining their manager, regardless of who it is. I mean, right now, we don't know if these rumors are even coming from the players at all. I mean, there are, there are some outlets who will write stuff like that without any evidence behind it, not not even off the record or something like that. If I think of, I don't know, outlets like Sportbild or something like that, they're yeah, just making up stupid stuff. And it's it's really their day-to-day -day work, kind of. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we can, we can really blame the players for, for all those rumors that, that we have been seeing in the last couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, I think it's really it's really a tough situation because I'm I'm yeah I, I really think Kovac. There are some things we need to blame on Kovac. Why is he not playing any of the young guys, for example? I mean, has there ever been a better situation than now to 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 try them? If uh, when the when the squad is so thin, there are so few players on the bench. Why is, why are we not not trying any of those? I would I would really have liked to see that, and that's totally on Kovac, I would say, and it's also totally on Kovac that he's experimenting with Rafinha in in the defense, which I really don't understand at all. Why why is he doing that? Why is he intentionally doing that? 
No, I agree. Uh, that, those are the things that I really don't get. Yeah, I think I think I it baffles me why there's not any more young guys in the squad. Um, when we look at Frank Ruby and Aryan Robin, who are for for the most part have been completely ineffective for most of the season, um, and then we see you know Byron's website and the Bundesliga dot com coming out with all these articles talking about you know uh, Wu Yong Zhang, the Korean winger, and how exceptional he's been in the second division, and then we have Maritan Shabani who has been equally impressive, and on the second division, sorry, with the second team. Um, when you've got Ribery and Robin, who are just, they can't get it done on the wings, how much worse can these young guys be coming in and, and trying to do yeah, something? exactly. So I think that's a very, very fair point, um, and something you want to see from a Bayern manager, especially with their uh, supposed newfound focus on promoting youth and developing youth. So I do think, yeah, I think that's a very, exactly. very fair point. I can only assume that for the match against Rodinghausen, the plan was get a very early lead, build upon that, and then, you know, once you're 5-0 up or whatever, we'll put in some of the young players. It gives them the opportunity to play without the stress, but still gives them the time. Like, I don't know. I've done that on FIFA a few times, and it seems to work pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's like the only way. Is there any better evidence than that? I don't think so. Absolutely no, not. I don't think so. No. <laughs> maybe I'm. Maybe I should be the new manager. <laughs> I don't know. I've gone from thinking I could be a sporting director to yeah, I'll just manage the whole thing. That'd be fine. Is your German? Is it? Is your German good enough? Um, I, I don't think so. No, it really, really isn't. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I have a, a B in GCSE German, which probably means nothing um, to. <laughs> quite an international audience here but uh it's not good enough to be a manager in germany <laughs> and again carlo oh, ancelotti did it so i think my that's why they want they want a, want a manager who speaks german because of ancelotti basically so oh, okay so he make, has I ruined think... my career in professional football yeah it's good to say that i think they make earpieces where it'll translate as it's going I, i'm pretty sure those exist i'll have so, to look into that problem solved yeah, okay, cool. Sweet, we, we fixed it. Um, I mean, the the big elephant in the room is, of course, if you're going to fire Kovac, who are you going to get? That's the thing we still need to keep in mind because I'm I'm not seeing anybody I, I would much rather have. Yeah, you're going to end up with a caretaker coach. Um, yeah. And again, like I said, you're going to be in the exact same situation um, come this time next year. Yeah, especially if you limit your options to German speakers. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I I would think is, is still is still the thing they want to do. And yep. I, and no no evidence for any any different uh, I think. I've got um I mentioned in the Slack chat that I've got bored at the weekend and decided to put together some charts. Um this kind of feeds back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of luck and and wastage. I don't think I want to say that I'm a big fan of Kovac and I'd like for him to stay and I'd like for him to get out of this rut. Um, and so I, I feel like these charts kind of do him the favour of showing that with people saying, oh, there's not enough creativity in midfield, like where are our chances coming from? Over the past well, like 15, 14 games, however many it's been, um, Bayern have had so many shots on target. So the past three games, they've had twenty-four. Uh, they've had twenty-four total shots against Freiburg, twenty-five against Rodinghausen, twenty-three against Mainz. Of these, 
five of them are on target against Mainz, seven against Rodinghausen, six against Freiburg. That's 21.7, 28, and 25% on target. And of that, only 8% are going in. Is this really a problem with the manager or is it, again, is it a more of a problem with, you know, um, competence in front of goal? So, again, it always goes back to this argument. If this went in, maybe it would be a completely different game. Like, I don't know. I, I just spent a long time making charts. and. I well, you also have, I mean, I, 11 block shots um, against Freiburg. Uh, mm. So eleven shots from from Bayern were blocked, um, and and against uh, Rodinghausen it was eight shots were blocked. I and so it's we for whatever reason um, you have you have uh, Lewandowski being able to finish somewhat, but still not at really Lewandowski levels that I mean that you expect. Um, and I and I I kind of when I watching the highlights of the Freiburg match, it was like, it seemed like the, whenever Bayern got their chances, it had to do with someone dribbling at the defense, pulling the defense towards them, and then being able to either, you know, give it, get the ball off to someone with a, with a good open shot or, uh, or otherwise um, taking it themselves. And, but then there's other times where it just seems that they're content to just kind of, swing the ball back and forth and hope that, you know, the defense makes a mistake in, in getting a, and uh, in, in leaving an opening and, and then letting her fly and, and hoping that it hits the, hits the mark. I think I, I think I looked today, if I can find my, the stat that I pulled up. They, so um, according to who scored.com, they're averaging 17.8 shots per game across the champions league and the Bundesliga. Um, and they're allowing 8.5 shots per game. Uh, they're getting 6.2 of those 17.8 on target. And then and, and 10% are coming from inside the six-yard box. 54 um, are in the 18, uh, 18-yard box. And then 36% of their shots are coming from outside the box. And, and it seems like if they, would, if they could use the dribble a little bit more, to, to get into those areas and make the defense change its shape a little bit more, then maybe that would open up some opportunities. Um, and right now it doesn't look like there's all that m- many guys that really want to do that. Nabri um, does that. And, um, and uh, Sanchez looks like he has kind of done it. And, but, uh, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's being done enough, I guess. Um, and that's just kind of one theory that I have kind of been exploring. I don't know how to, go any further into that but i don't know um i, th- I think that we, they they use the the cross and and try to pass their way out of things um a little bit too often um which maybe the possession style from guardiola still carrying over i'm kind of with you there actually it's it's really about the quality of chances not not about just the rough numbers here and i think the quality of chances hasn't been there I would not. I would not go so far as to just, uh, uh, yeah, just bring that down to to dribblings. But yeah, you can also be more dynamic with passes, and I think that's what has been uh, really has been lacking. It's always a static kind of approach a lot of the time, 
when things go worse, it's more a static kind of play. Ribery and Robin are try, trying to outrun their, their opponents uh, on the outside, but it's always the same thing, and there are already, I don't know, eight or ten people in the box, and that's when those block shots happen, for example. You really need, need to outplay those guys and not just throw those, throw those uh, passes in there and uh, tr try to make something out of it. You you really need need to be more dynamic about that, and that's what I've been uh, what what I what I feel has been missing. All right, so Saturday's the big one, uh, Der Klassiker, as we call it in America. I know that's a little cringy, maybe for those of you uh, across the pond, but that's uh, not really a classic. <laughs> but it's. A huge match, um, huge match every year, but this year specifically, it's got some massive implications as to where Bayern stands in the table, uh, as to where you know this season starts heading for Nico Kovac and and Co. Um, so, I really want to take a big look at this. I want to give us a, or I want to give a big preview at it on it because Dortmund has just been so good this year. Um, they're one of the top teams in Europe. I think them and Juventus are the only ones who haven't uh, either haven't lost at home or. Haven't I think haven't haven't lost at home or in the league or something like that? But they've they've been excellent, um, needless to say. So I want to start off with uh, looking at Bayern. What's everybody's predicted starting eleven for this match? Or maybe not predicted, but uh, preferred. Who would you start if you were Nico Kovac going into this match? Um, and Garrett, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Um, so I tried to look at uh, what Kovac has actually used this year, and um, and so to kind of keep it somewhat realistic. Um, and so it looked like he's he's used the four one four one in the Bundesliga um, pretty heavily, seven matches, and then um, four two three one in three matches, and four three three in three other ones. And so it looks to me like the the best results we've gotten. Um, have kind of come from that four-two-three-one look, uh, with the exception. The worst result being the draw against Ajax in the Champions League. Um, so, so I kind of tried to go with that approach. Um, in obviously Neuer in goal, uh, Alaba, uh, Hummels, Boateng, and Kimmich along the back. I have Goretzka and Javi Martinez in the um, defensive midfield, and then. Um, uh, Gnabry, James, and um, I'm starting Robin in uh, in the starting eleven, but I would be quick to pull him in place, uh, put Muller um, or even Sanchez uh, possibly, and then obviously uh, Lewandowski up top. That would be my starting eleven uh, with uh, yeah Muller, Sanchez, and Sula. Um, the first three I'd bring off the bench. Hmm. Uh, Sebastian. Yeah, I'm. I mostly agree. I I would start Zule. I would start Zule instead of Hummels. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I would also have Goretzka in, in the middle. Uh, but I, but I would not not play Robin actually, because I think it hasn't worked out this lopsided kind of approach with an actual winger and then Nabri on the other side because that always leaves Nabri yeah in in uh, somewhere in between. He doesn't really know what to do with that. We either need two actual wingers who really play on the wing and try to make the solos out there, or we need two guys who are open to exchanging positions with Lewandowski and with each other. That's why I think uh, I, I would have Gnabry and Müller on the sides. And 
or as is basically the same uh, as Garrett said. I think it just doesn't work because w uh, whenever Gnabry tries to play like like Ribery, it doesn't work out. Hmm. He's best when 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 he can come through the middle a lot of the time when we play through the middle more. So I'm I'm totally in favor of that, and I think that's also much better for Müller because yeah, Müller can can uh, can do some quite quite fine crosses. But that's really not uh, the best the best thing for him. He really needs to have have this freedom, and yeah, and uh, and and I would hope he he doesn't have to be like the captain, because that that does that doesn't work either. If he if he's completely on captain duty, so to speak, he he needs to yeah he needs to be able to do his own thing and not concentrate on his uh, on the other players doing uh, what what they are doing all the time. That doesn't really help his his own performance. So. Yeah, that's what I would want, want to see. But I don't think we'll see that. All right, well, Tim, before you round this off, I'll go because my front uh, four or so would look a lot like Sebastian um, Lewandowski leading the line. I think Muller on the right, uh, Nabry on the left, and then James in the middle, just on paper, because the three of them can all play kind of shift back and forth where they go, you know, across across that attacking midfield tree uh, three that you see there. So I think, especially considering... You know how Ribery and Robin have been recently. I think that's uh, the way forward as long as Coman is injured um, for this team. And then for my two of the four-two-three-one, I'm actually going to go Javi Martinez and Renato Sanchez, just because I still think Sanchez has been the most impressive for me of all the young players on the team. And whether or not he steps up, I mean, I think giving him a game, rewarding him with you know the biggest game of the season in, at Dortmund. I think rewarding him, you know, starting him in that game would be huge for him. Because if he does have a good game, I mean, that could just shoot him straight up. And I, it's just asking a lot from Leon Goretzka, who I don't think... He has been good, but I don't think he really knows his place in this team yet. Um, or where he... I don't even think he knows where he plays best, what kind of position. So I'm not sure I'd throw him in as a six right now in a double pivot, double pivot and ask him to do that. But I do think um, first off the bench for me. And then I'm going... I don't know. I would usually say Hummels and Sula, but I thought Boateng and Sula were very, very good against Freiburg. Um, I could go either way. Uh, I think, considering the pace that Dortmund's attack has, Boateng might be the better option, but then also Hummels knows this team. Um, so, either way, Sula's definitely starting. Uh, Kimmich on the right, Alaba on the left, Neuer in goal. And I'll flip a coin for Hummels or Boateng and, and see who starts that one. Just to throw that in real quick, by the way, I would still go with a four-one-four-one. I would, I would see that as a four-one-four-one. Still, uh, I think the the funnel, so to speak, works better for for Martinez and also uh, gives uh, Goretzka uh, more opportunities at the front, which uh, which has been quite quite uh, impressive. I think I didn't didn't see him as an offensive player so much, but that has uh, worked out quite fine. He has been playing very much uh, very offensive. Uh, if you look at the the average positions from from the last games he played that was really interesting I think uh, yeah and I think yeah as uh, to say it with Oliver Kahn wir brauchen Eier which means we need some balls <laughs> so, <laughs> we should not be afraid we cannot be afraid against Dortmund that's not going to help us so we should really go for one for one all right uh, Tim starting eleven oh man I've completely <laughs> I I thought I had something and then listening to everybody I'm like oh no that's a good point. Oh, no, I'm stupid for putting that in. My suggestion would be a move away from realism 
I would go for a three four three because I figure if now is the time, if there is ever a time to experiment with something new, might as well do it now. Like, what's he got to lose? Well, um, his job. That's entirely possible. Yeah, that's, that's other than that. That's not. There's, there's details I'll take over. I thought we've already <laughs> established. Um, I would go for a, a three four three. Um, even though I'm not actually at all confident with that, so let's go to the other one of a four two three one. Uh, with a back four of Kimmich, uh, Zula, Boateng, and Alaba. Uh, the defensive midfield, Javi Martinez. I think that's fairly obvious because, as you said, Goretzka doesn't quite have that ability yet, but again, would be one of the first people off the bench. If only for the Schalke connection, I feel like a game against Dortmund, he's going to hmm. be really, really fired up for that. Um, and again, Renato Sanchez right next to him. I think he's been, yeah, he's been one of the best players this season. I, th- and I don't know if that's like, oh, he's been very good for his standard. Mm. I think he's been the player where when he's on the ball, you think, yeah, have a go, see what you can do. He's he's going to go forward. He's going to charge forward. He's going to come back and defend. He's been he's been reliable, which if you were to say that last season, you'd think, what what are you doing? Like he is not at all reliable. If I can, he's completely. I don't want to. I don't want to cut in too much, but the way I guess I would describe Sanchez is as a Bayern fan, this season he's been the one player that when he's on the pitch, I'm excited or like I'm genuinely into the game. I want to watch. I'm, I'm like yeah. interested in seeing what happens. Um, the rest of the guys, even you know, Hamas isn't providing that same spark for me. Isn't really pulling me into the game like Sanchez is. So anyway, continue with your starting eleven. Mm. I think, um, yeah, like Sanchez has to be there for me. He's got the energy, he's got the pace, he's got the strength. He is he is a starter for me. Uh, in front of them, Nabri on the left, Hammers in the middle, Muller on the right, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Muller has to start this game, considering how Ribery and Robin have been playing. I don't think Ribery... If Rivery plays the last five minutes, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. Th- he simply cannot start, especially given how Gnabry played the other um, the other day. He was much like you said about Sanchez when Gnabry was on the ball. I thought he's going to do something, and Bayern's best attack came from him running at people. Mm-hmm. That's we kind of need that sort of energy. Um, and Muller, I don't know if it's going to be due to the fact that Lisa Muller has been complaining, but I think he will start because it's a game against Dortmund. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be Muller or um, or Robin because it's a Dortmund game. Like, you can't have one without those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and up top, Robert Lewandowski because... Who else? Yeah, <laughs> um, because the other option is Sandro Wagner, who's... <laughs> really not up to it this season i thought he was incredible last season but he's just not quite there i really thought you were actually going to say uh sandra wagner if i'm being completely honest no i I do like throwing a curveball every so often but um no this is probably about as predictable as i can get really so my other option was like the fourth uh the three four three using the team that he put out against augsburg but instead of having uh, Goretzka was a left back and it was mm-hmm. four at the back. If you have a, a midfield duo of Goretzka and Sanchez, that is a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of speed and a lot of strength. Um, 
and against teams that have played three at the back this season, Dortmund have not done as well. Um, I don't know. This could this could go either way. This could be a game that could either define Kovac's career at Bayern or end it. Well, we're not, I don't think you'll get. I don't think you'll get sacked. We're not to oh. predictions yet, uh, so you can okay. mull over that for just a second. Um, and before we get there, let's talk about key players uh, for both sides. So, one or two from Dortmund, one or two for Bayern. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. I think my key player for Bayern. We talked about him a second ago. Is gonna have to be Robert Lewandowski. Um, it's against his old club. He hasn't been there in a while, but last season, specifically toward the end, he was heavily criticized for not stepping up in the big games. Um, he did score a hat-trick against Dortmund in one of the games last season, but that wasn't a big game like it is this year. And if he really wants to keep proving his critics wrong, and especially if he wants to prove to the Bayern fans that he is all-in at Bayern, I think it's important that he has a fantastic game to, uh, on Saturday. Or, you know, even if he's not scoring goals, which ideally he would score some goals, that he's visibly giving it all for the team. Um, but even on top of that, he has to step up. He has to put away some goals. If the chances come, you know, he can't waste them. Uh, he's my key, plan, key player for Bayern uh, for sure. And then looking at the opposite side of that, um, for Dortmund, I think the key player will be or key players will be their center backs, whether they go with uh, Akanji or Zagadou paired with uh, Diallo, because I think Diallo's actually starting most of their games. But I think defensively there is probably their uh, weakest point. Or their defense is probably it's very young, one. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's very young. It's very inexperienced. Um, they've done okay. But still but, very good, though. Yeah, it is good. It is good. But um, they aren't... They're not as solid as they could be, and they're definitely not nearly uh, nearly as impressive as that attack is. And I think that I think that's something that Bayern, you know, can and should exploit. Uh, so key players on either side. There's Lewandowski. Can he exploit? You know, that young, uh, relatively inexperienced center back pairing, and then or can those center backs, you know, step up and and stop the Bayern attack? So that those are my key players. I think for me, um, if I'm going to give someone different than uh, Lewandowski, because I think you're right, um, Ben. That I mean, he, this this is a this is the game he has to break out of whatever sort of mini slump he's kind of been in. But um, I think for me, if uh, if I look at the lineup that I that I would put out there, I would I would say that uh, I'd say James has to have a big game. Um, it it's if he wants to be that kind of player that um, is foundational to a big club, he's, he's got to show it in, in these big games. And, and he started showing flashes at the end of last year and then just hasn't been able to put it together this year. And I think, I think, um, I think now's the time for him to, to, to do that. And I think that if he starts to play to that ability, then um, we will see players like Lewandowski, um, uh, really start to kind of flourish um for uh for Dortmund I I have uh and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right since he's Belgian uh Axel Witzel I think is um key for them he's been um, an excellent signing for them mm-hmm. this year um he's only got three goals um in all competitions but he's 92 percent plus in his past success rating um over a thousand minutes of play so that's um 
that's pretty darn good. Um, and it, I think he's, he's providing them um, with a lot, being able to do a lot of the things that they've been able to do this year and, and kind of taking some of that pressure off of uh, Marco Royce to, to have to do everything. He's been able to kind of um, do some playmaking from the back and, and, and still provide some defensive cover. So I think that, um, that if, if Byron can make life difficult on him and force him into one of his first bad games of the year, I think that uh, Byron will be looking pretty good. So my my key players my key players are whoever plays on the wing for Bayern. I think that that would be the most important part to yeah to really decide are we going to play the old style with two actual wingers or are we trying the more creative. Uh, more dynamic kind of uh, direction, which I would uh, definitely love to see, of course. Uh, so if it's my lineup, that would be Gnabry and, and Müller, of course. Uh, yeah, I think it's really time that, that Thomas Müller plays better again and gets some goals, uh, gets some assists. I think, yeah, that, that has been, uh, yeah. That has been awful uh, the, in the recent games for uh, for him, and then the recent weeks. And on the on the other side, uh, I would go with uh, with Royce and Sancho. Uh, hmm. I think I think the the real uh, the real thing uh, will will be to yeah stop these guys because they they have been a lot of uh, they have been yeah uh, they they have been uh, responsible for most of their goals, be be, be it through assists or to by actually shooting them. Yeah, I think that that will be tough uh, if, if they are playing like they have been playing. Yeah, it, it's it's I don't I don't think uh, it it will be about our defense so much. If if Kovac plays uh, the normal four and Martinez in front, I'm not really so afraid for our defense. I think our defense is actually fine. Uh, I think we need to score those goals and score more than they score and just yeah. Mm not try to dominate the game by keeping the ball, but dominate the game by being dangerous and keeping them on their toes. Yeah, Garrett, you picked the same player that I was going to highlight, Axel Witzel. I think he's been able to, as you said, kind of take some of the um, defensive responsibilities on his own um, in kind of the same way that uh, Lucas Torreira at Arsenal has been able to alleviate Granit Xhaka of the, I want to say the defensive abilities, but he never really had them in the first <laughs> place. But it, it gives it, it gives the team another dimension where it means that everybody can kind of relax and think, okay, somebody else is going to cover that. Um, so for Dortmund, my key player would be Axel Witzel, um, but maybe also Paco Alcacer, because I think this is going to be like the first really big challenge for him. So he scored a lot of goals already. Um, but against defences that are that typically have somebody quite young in them or even maybe quite old. As no, no, I think this is going to be the first time where he's going to play against a defence where both of them are more or less in their prime. I say both, assuming that it is two centre-backs. Then again, um, uh, Dortmund played against Atletico and he wasn't in the team. Yeah, he didn't feature, so that's a good point. Yeah, so that, who, like he's played against Atletico before maybe he could have done okay but um yeah if he if he plays from the start then that's going to be key if he comes off the bench that's going to be even more dangerous because both him and Sancho have been have kind of like caused the 
the most damage as substitutes. I think for Bayern, the key player is... Man, this is quite difficult. Robert Lewandowski, obviously, because, you know, former club, has to take on the mantle of being the guy. Um, And the same with Muller as well. This is going to be a game that's kind of won by the defenders, I think. It's going to be a case of whether or not Bayern can either win, but above all else, can they not lose? Um, Because if you can draw against this team, then that's a step in the right direction. Um, and and also um, if you if you lose, but I think I think uh, Sebastian, I think you said earlier, like you can lose, but you can still do well when you lose. Like if you lose like two nil, and it's still you still tried. Um, I think one of the defenders. This could be a, a huge game for Nicolas Sula. This mm-hmm. could really cement him as as one of Bayern's top stars. I almost went with Manuel Neuer. Uh, instead of Robert Lewandowski earlier, because we talked about uh, earlier him conceding a goal on each of the last eight shots that he's faced in the Bundesliga. And since he's come back from injury, there's kind of been this cloud over him, whether you know people like to question whether or not he still is you know, top goalkeeper in the world, one of the top goalkeepers in the world. I think on Saturday, no matter how good the defense plays, I think Dortmund are going to have shots on goal, uh, more than one. And I think we'll see, at least have a glimpses, you know, as to whether or not Neuer still is at the, at the level that he used to be, or at the level that um, we're so, you know, expected him, for him to for him to be at. Um, and I think he will. I hope, at least I hope he will step up. Um, I don't really see any drop off as we talked about earlier, but I think that's another one who could be thrown in there. Um, so score predictions, uh, Tim. We'll start with you. That way we don't change your mind by the time that we get to you. Oh, this is impossible. I think it's safe to say Dortmund will score. Um, just look at the track history of Bayern in the past couple of games. Will Bayern score though? That's the real question. I want to say, I want to, I want to see a Bayern win. I want to go three-one to Bayern. That's not going to happen. Three-one Bayern. <laughs> Sebastian. Uh, I think I'll go with 2-2, and I'm trying to be realistically optimistic, basically. Uh, Yeah, I think that can happen. That's something uh, inside the realm of possibility from from what I've been seeing right now. I think it will be crucial uh, to to, uh, win the next game before they actually have to go to Dortmund, uh, before they actually play Dortmund. Uh, Yeah, I think 2-2 would be fine. I, I would really not look back, I would be totally fine with a 2-2. And I think that's the most realistic uh, kind of thing. Okay, Garrett, more optimism, or what are you thinking? Uh, I, uh, so, I guess I'll, I'll preface. So, um, in the last five, across all competitions, I think the game that most people will focus on for Dortmund is that 4-0 drubbing of uh, Atletico Madrid um, in the Champions League. But since that game, they drew to Hertha, or drew uh, at home versus uh, Hertha Berlin. Uh, then they had to take extra time to beat Union Berlin um, in uh, in the cup, and then they beat uh, Wolfsburg one nil in Wolfsburg um, this last weekend. So there is some indication that the uh, their form is kind of starting to come back down to earth a little bit and, and we'll see on Wednesday uh, how they do uh, on the return leg 
against Atletico. But um, since it's at Dortmund and since Bayern aren't really sure what they are yet, um, I have them. I have it at 2-2 um, at the final um, whistle. And um, yeah, I, I. but it's an optimistic 2-2. Like I really could see it being um, it 2-1. Uh, but I, but I just, there's just enough, um, uncertainty with this Byron squad that I, I, I feel like I have to give Dortmund a little bit more, um, a little bit more. And, um, yeah, interestingly enough, Byron has not lost to Dortmund since, um, the DFB Pokal in, uh, April of 2017. So, um, it's, it, they've had their number for a little while, and um, and so hopefully they have they'll be in their heads a little bit. I don't know um, that may be expecting too much, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. You look at the expected goals and the expected goals against, and think they're playing out of their mind and maybe a little bit above their weight. And uh, and Byron's just kind of sleepwalking right now. And uh, let's hope they wake up. I guess that leaves me to play the role of a uh, realist. Um, no, I, I think contrary to what I would have said at the beginning of the season, I think that this Dortmund side is very much the real deal. Uh, I think Lucien Favre is doing something pretty spectacular there. Uh, a lot of those guys are playing, you know, just above the b- ability that you would expect from them. I don't expect that to stop when they, you know, when they face the biggest game of the season, when they have this, opportunity to face Bayern Munich I don't think it helps at all that uh, Dortmund gets the game at home first Uh, I want to say 3-1 for Dortmund Uh, and I'm not even sure Bayern can score that one I just like Garrett said Bayern have been sleepwalking I don't think that they're just going to all of a sudden have these issues fixed when they go to uh, the Westfalen Stadion on Saturday I don't think they're just going to wake up all of a sudden obviously we do have a match between now and then that uh, they can build something, and we'll talk about that in a second. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I like to be optimistic, but I just can't see it happening. I think Dortmund have got Bayern's number this time, and hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm very, very wrong. But three-one uh, for Dortmund is what I would have to say. No. <laughs> all right, all right. So we do have um, a game before that one on on Saturday. Uh, Bayern. Uh, face Athens again on Wednesday uh, at home. It's at the Allianz Arena. So usually I'd say that's a good thing, but uh, Byron's current home form would suggest otherwise. Um, anyway, hopefully they can you know build some momentum, as Sebastian and I just kind of hinted at, get yeah. something going. Uh, I think a big win would be nice, but, I mean, do we even see that? Do we, given the struggles, you know, we keep saying this over and over, but is this going to be that dominant performance from Byron? I think it's perfectly possible. Uh, why not? I mean, it can happen. It can happen, and uh, I think that would be a good thing all by itself. Just winning big and yeah, building confidence would be a great thing. Uh, just to have that happen, just to yeah, have that confidence and just get something rolling. But yeah, I, I mean, it it can happen, but it it can also be another game like those we have seen in in the last week. Again, I don't know, two to one again against Athens could could be something. Uh, that would not surprise me at all, or even a draw against Athens would not surprise me at this point. 
but yeah, uh, at any point now they, they they can get this fixed. I think perfectly possible. The, the squad is still good enough to play to play much better than they have been. I think. Yeah, we just we just need we just need to yeah have a plan and stick with it and yeah not not uh, go with those strange experiments and not not uh, fo- uh, not not uh, focus everything on Ribery and Robin. We, we need really need to get this behind us and uh, yeah. That that's all about Kovac. Kovac really need, needs to have the balls to do that and just say, "All right, uh, we need to try something else. We we cannot we cannot continue with what we're doing right now, uh, and just not not play any any of uh, uh, Ruby and Robin, for, for example, and just stick with Martinez on the six. And that that's that's a, that, that would be the things I would I would really like to see against Athens. And I, I think it can it can work out. Even if he doesn't do that, it can work out. But I think that would be the way to go. Have some stability in there to have to have some kind of plan uh, established I, w- I would hope to see that to really have something you, you can just build on again against Dortmund then yeah we already gave um, our predictions for the match for the Dortmund match but how big of an impact do you think the result midweek will have on what takes place on Saturday I would say a huge a huge one uh, yeah I, I think I hinted at that, at that uh, before already I, I think that that's could be a very very important fact factor here because a, a lot of uh, what has been going wrong has all, has also ha- uh, has also uh, to do with yeah confidence I think confidence is is a huge problem at the moment I, I would say uh, as we as we have seen with with, uh, with the penalty by by Sanchez I think that a lot of that was to blame on a lack of confidence and the lack of yeah Mia and Mia basically uh, to bring bring that up again. For me, uh, um, from a team standpoint, I guess it, it probably matters. I personally do not, don't I don't care how Bayern play against Athens at Dubinwood. I I'm gonna look at the score and pretty much if if we won, then I'm happy. Uh, we have bigger fish to fry at the end of the week, and that's the match I'm um, concerned about. If because I I, ju- I could just see it working out to where you know Bayern come away with a five nil win against Athens. Everybody's doing you know feeling great, um, and then you know you come up against Dortmund at the weekend and you lose by some ridiculous amount, like I don't know three one or something. Like who would predict that? And then you end up um, <laughs> you end up just back where you started. I just I I feel like the the passage and the uh, Champions League is is pretty much a foregone conclusion given who they're playing. So as long as you win this match and you don't um, just fumble away the the golden opportunity that you've been given with that group, um, I don't really care how they play in on Wednesday. I, I want them to play well on 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 uh, Saturday, and I think that they'll probably be heavily rotated anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. It could be a completely different team to the one from the team on Wednesday to the team on Saturday. I don't know if there's like some sort of like sadistic part of me that kind of wants to see Bayern maybe lose against Athens, if only so they go into Saturday with this huge fire to say, okay, you know, things have gone wrong. Let's really turn it on. I don't know. Like I like to see it when players get really angry. Like I've said it again about uh, Lewandowski. I like to see him get riled up and like really turn it on i i kind of want to see that happen against um uh, for the for the entire team 
then again, saying that, it should have already happened by now. Well, before we finish off, there's a few other uh, talking points that we need to address. And we'll start with uh, what I have written down as the Lisa Mueller incident. Um, basically, in the Freiburg game on Saturday, Thomas Mueller came on, I think, in the 70th minute or so. And Lisa Mueller took to Instagram to, I guess, voice her frustration with Niko Kovac, uh, taking a picture of Mueller going in and, and saying... Um, basically saying something along the lines of, wow, it only took you 70 minutes to have the right idea, uh, talking about Niko Kovac. And obviously that was not taken uh, kindly by the Bayern board or Bayern or fans in general, uh, depending on which side of the Mueller uh, debate I guess you stand on. But she took the post down eventually, um, and probably the most bizarre thing about it was that Bayern released a public statement from Lisa Mueller uh, apologizing for that Instagram post that on her story that you know, however many people saw. Uh, on one hand, I think that's a very, I guess, a very an, an an incident that gives some good insight into what's going on at the club right now. I think that's pretty telling for uh, how fragile Byron kind of is at the moment, um, coming a couple weeks after. Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and Uli Honus had this whole press conference talking about how the media can't talk about their players like that, and now Thomas Mueller's wife is coming out saying this stuff, but I don't know. The whole thing is, I mean, maybe a bit childish. Thomas Mueller was asked about it after the game, and he said, um, basically, like, well, I, he's like, I can't really fault her, she just loves me, kind of trying to play it down. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, maybe there's some more German reports about it, maybe, uh, Sebastian, that you can share with us, but... I feel like it's just something that really got blown out of proportion and, and is really indicative of just what's going on at Bayern right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we talked about that earlier on the chat. Uh, Kika has has an article uh, talking about some players not not being uh, content with, with how things are going at, at Bayern. But yeah, that has really been blown out of proportion kind of over the internet, I think. Uh, but I think on the other hand, we have to ask, this must be this must reflect uh, what Thomas Müller thinks about Kovac in some way and how he talks about uh, Kovac uh, when he's at home. I guess. Can you imagine uh, Lisa Müller saying something like that about, about Jupp Heynckes, mm. even when he uh, does something really, really stupid? I can't because I think Thomas Müller uh, respects Jupp Heynckes a lot, and now I'm not so sure if he how much he res- respects Niko Kovac, because I think if he would only talk about him very respectfully and yeah what a what a great manager he is i don't think she would she would tweet something like that she would she would probably not do that so yeah i I, I don't think mm -hmm. i was just say i want to tie this in you're talking about respect um or i guess the lack of respect for niko kovac and that's something that tim hit on earlier or I, i think it was tim buying into the ideas of a coach and i want to tie this in with something that's going on at at psg recently um, which we all know PSG hired Thomas Tuchel over the summer, and that's who many thought would be Bayern's coach this season. And depending on who you believe, uh sounds like Bayern just kind of missed out. They missed their opportunity. Um, but anyway, earlier this week, Kylian Mbappe, or I guess last week, Kylian Mbappe and Adrian Rabiot were both late to practice um, by like five minutes or so. And because of this, Thomas Tuchel did not start them in a huge match. I think it was against Lyon over the weekend. 
Uh, they both mi- missed out on the starting 11 just for being a little bit late to practice. Um, and just, I just want to tie that in with the, the lack of respect we see for Nico Kovac because you would have thought over the offseason that Kovac, you know, that would be the last issue with him was that players are going to not respect him because he was viewed as this kind of hard-nosed coach at Frankfurt and he's going to drill the players and whip them into shape. And there were also questions, though, about whether he could handle the egos at Bayern. And maybe we're starting to see those answers. You know, when players, like you said, Thomas Muller obviously has certain feelings about Kovac that, you know, you can infer that from Lisa Muller's post because she would never have come out and done that against Jupp Heynckes, never would have done that against Pep Guardiola even, uh, probably not even against Carlo Ancelotti with as bad as things were then. So I think I think you're right. I think that does tell a lot uh, about what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> I think the... Uh... The best part about that whole uh, Lisa Mueller thing is the sub-headline in, um, in Build that says, Lisa loves Thomas and horses. Thank you, Build. <laughs> uh, that was maybe my favorite part. I, I, I agree. I think that the, the, the whole thing, you know, I wouldn't think hardly anything of it. I mean, so it's a player's wife, you know, mentioning that, oh, you should have put my husband in earlier and not a big deal it's just that um she hasn't done it before she hasn't been vocal about these things in in the past um at least not to the point that everybody knows about it and so i think there is something to that there um but i but I don't know. I don't know that it, it needs to be as big of a deal as what it's seemingly being made out to be. Um, Thomas Muller is seemingly, I mean, he he's doing his job. He's not, you know, he, he's unhappy. Um, I think that's clear. I think any player in his, of his caliber, you know, if you're not getting con- uh, consistent, minutes and, and a lot of them then you're going to be unhappy um especially at a club that you 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 are Bayern Munich in, in a lot of ways so um that's not really much of a story to me but but the the fact that it's kind of starting to spill over out of the the locker room and into the stands with um people close to the players is is a little bit concerning but again I I think you know if they if they come and win against uh, Dortmund, I think that a lot of that starts to kind of go away. That's the same thing with the press conference, isn't it? This huge press conference. You know, oh God, why have they done this? This is this is just a recipe for disaster. And then they won, and they were like, oh okay, they clearly knew what they were doing. Um, and now no one's really that bothered by the press conference anymore. Um, so yeah, maybe it would. I don't know. I. Th- I think I think it is just a matter of something has happened and because there is like an element of a few other things in the background, they're like, hey, let's focus on this massive thing. This is a big deal. Even though it's like woman complains about husband doing yeah. something. Like, it's really not that bad. And well, I think also just like what society's like now, more things are being documented online anyway. Fair. Well, why and why why the whole uh, public like oh she apologized though and 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 Nico Kovac accepted her apology 
Like, yeah, that's the weird thing. That, I, like, yeah, it yeah. only makes it worse, doesn't it? That's yeah. a Barbara Streisand eff effect, I would think. <laughs> isn't it? it? I mean, it, you're only making it worse. Yeah. I mean, the tone no was pretty bad, but... <sighs> Pay no attention I mean, to the man behind the curtain. There's nothing wrong here. Nothing <laughs> to see. Yeah. Just keep moving on. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about with just how fragile the Byron board is right now. That I can only imagine that you know, something along the lines of, well, the media is coming after us now and you can't even support us. Like, it's coming from all sides and I don't know. Yeah. But it was, I think we're all in agreement. The whole thing got blown. Um, I mean, out of proportion. A, fr a, friend of, a friend of mine asked me today, okay, so whose word carries more weight at, at Bayern Munich? Lisa Müller or, or Hasan Salihamidzic? And I guess Ooh. we agreed that at least one person uh, who is on the payroll for Bayern Munich listens to Lisa Müller and we're not so sure how many are there for Hasan Salihamidzic, really. I guess uh, whatever Lisa Muller has to say at least attracts the attention of the media a lot more than Salihamidzic. Yeah. So, um, That's also very true. All right, another talking point I want to get to. Um, there were some rumors that have surfaced this week. They're all coming from Italy uh, and being reported primarily from Calcio Mercado. Uh, at least that's who's publishing them, gathering them from other places, but... There, Paulo Dybala essentially is being linked with the move to Bayern Munich uh, again. We've seen him linked a little bit in the past, but um, the first report claimed Dybala has to be sold because Juventus, you know, they're having financial fair play issues basically with Ronaldo coming in, and they need to make room for him on the pitch and financially. Um, and then now we're seeing that Paulo Dybala uh, and James Rodriguez could be involved in a swap deal um, because Bill reported, I think, last week that James... Uh, wants to hold talks about his future at Bayern. And in that article, we saw that Juventus was uh, name-dropped as a club interested in him. So now we're seeing that there could be a swap deal going on between uh, Bayern and Juventus involving James and Dybala. Um, so, Garrett, I do want to turn to you because I know that you're a major Dybala fan. You've, you've talked in the past about how you would love to see him uh, at Bayern. And kind of putting aside the veracity of these reports because nothing really has come out of Germany suggesting this, so I'm still a bit skeptical about the truth of Bayern's interest in Dybala, you know, other than the fact that Rummenigge has uh, said in the past that he is an admirer of his, but knowing how big of a fan you are of Dybala, Garrett, would you take a swap deal that involves him and James? Yes. Um, and I say that as, as someone who loves James as well. Um, I think that the one of the main things that um, brought me to that conclusion because I did have some um, did have some concerns about that, but Dybala is 24 years old uh, and Hamas is 27, and um, that's three years that isn't. I mean, it's not massive uh, difference, but byron is getting older and they need to get younger and uh dabala has shown up in uh big matches i mean like look at his record in the champions league and i mean the man knows how to score when the lights are on um and he's got he's got that creativity he basically to me dabala is um is a lot of the things that james is but he also has a lot of the abilities that uh, Lewandowski has um, as a striker. So, I mean, you take that combination. I, I take that at least nine times out of ten. There might be some times where I'd be a little bit more, um, a little bit more 
uh, hesitant, but but yeah, I'd 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 do it. Uh, preferably, I'd get you'd get to keep both of them, but um, hmm. but yeah, I'd, I'd definitely take Dybala by any means necessary. Uh, I think there there's something obviously wrong with these rumors. I mean, okay, so if it's about financial fair play, they cannot just make a 50-50 kind of, right. of swap. They they cannot just uh, exchange them uh, with no money paid. So that that doesn't really work out. And I, on the other hand, uh, I think Bayern would never pay a substantial a substantial amount of money to swap James for Dybala. That that would be uh, crazy. I, I feel like. Uh, and uh, and I think we really need more uh, players like Hamas and not less of them, not fewer of them. I want to say, because uh, yeah, he brings he brings this cre creativity and I, and I think the biggest problem with Hamas is that that we only have one of them. We we can, we really don't have a player to substitute him one for one. So no, I I don't think that that's a good idea. While I think Dybala at Bayern would be nice. Uh, if you ask me, why not why not get him and give them Lewandowski? I would be fine with that. I would be okay with that as well, to for the record. And I, <laughs> I and think I Tim probably agrees. <laughs> I'm not sure Cristiano Ronaldo would be okay with that, though. Yeah, could be. Do that's I care? That's another thing. That's another <laughs> issue with them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's another issue with the uh, with that those whole rumors too. Is that I don't I don't remember a hundred percent, but it didn't seem like James and Ronaldo played well together at uh, Real Madrid. A am I remembering that incorrectly? or Does anyone really play well with Ronaldo other than Ronaldo? <laughs> right. right. But I mean, I feel like in a, in a real concrete evidence style, like you would look back and you'd be like, oh yeah, this, this didn't work out so well for Real Madrid. Maybe we shouldn't either that or they're probably need to move on from Ronaldo already. I don't know. Let's start those rumors. Okay, well... Sebastian, you said you really wouldn't take a swap deal for for uh, Hamas and Dybala. Would you say if you were buying, drop 100 million euros on Dybala? Uh, taking away the realism yeah. of that, because we all know Bayern's not going to spend 100 million euros as long as uh, Honus is there or and Rummenigge. But so yeah, you would you would take that? Deal? Yeah, I would take that. I would take that. I think we need to in, invest uh, into 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 some players, and I think. Are you really so sure that this is nothing like this is going to happen? Because I'm not. I mean, they they the way they have been talking, it sounded like okay, we did not spend anything this summer, so we are going to to really spend some money next summer. Well, they say yeah, they're that going to, they're going to have to spend something. Um, especially if the season isn't going too well. Right. Yeah. And I, and I mean, like you said, they've been saying, well, you know, we didn't spend this summer because we're waiting for next summer or whatever. But and so if next summer comes around, they mean, oh, we meant next summer. No, and next, next summer next is going to come around and they're going to they're going to activate Hamas clause and then say this is what yeah. we meant when we said nah. we would spend big. Uh, Tim, any thoughts on the whole the whole debate going on? Um, the amount of money that Bayern are willing to spend? Well, just him and Dybala in general, because Dybala kind of is that touch-to-touch -to -touch forward. Um, he may be not as capable on the wings, but he definitely can play out there. Uh, yeah, he's, he's played out there more this season than he has right. previously. Um, and I'll, I'll tackle the, the, like, how much money Bayern are going to spend on a player. 
I think we'll see Bayern break their transfer record again this season. I can't see them jumping from like mm-hmm. 40 million to 41.5 million to 100 million. I think maybe Max Bayern are going to spend 60 million. I think that's like okay. realistic and kind of in keeping. It shows that Bayern are willing to adjust yeah. to um, what the market is doing now. Should they spend that 60 million on a player like Dybala? Yes. Um, and this is going to sound maybe quite offensive, but I must assure you this is coming from somebody that is not that tall himself. I would pay that money for Dybala if he was quite a bit taller. Because while he has played as a centre forward and like as a lone striker several times before, he does not quite have that same sort of presence. Like, let's just assume that Bayern are going to keep crossing until the day ends. You don't really want Paolo Dybala on the end of that. Um, so, I don't know, maybe it'll have to come with a completely new style of... Well, yeah, and that's what uh, you'd have to assume if they go for a player like Dybala. Or, mm. I guess, you sh- I should say, whoever they do go for. Because I, I, th- I think you're right, around $60 million is probably the, the leap that I see Bayern making, or willing to make at least. Um, but whoever they drop that money on, if it's, you know, whoever they drop that money on has to be someone that is going to fit their style of play, whatever that is. So, um, for example, if they buy Dybala, it's obviously not because they're going for a style of play that is so heavily reliant on, on crossing, um, but more so on, you know, working it on the ground and through the middle, um, more than likely. Yeah, and I think, it, in my mind, you shouldn't pay... 60 or or 100 million on one player to do one thing. This is something that I've spoken about, the idea of the touch-to-touch forward. You should spend that money on somebody that can seamlessly play several other positions. So if you buy somebody that's a left-back, try like get somebody that's also very good going forward and defensively. So, you know, for all of his criticisms, Juan Bernat filled in as a winger. Um, He wasn't the most successful, but he still he showed up and he played um and players like like Kimmich and 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 Vidal as well these are all players that can do one thing but also quite effortlessly do something else as well that's money well spent spending 100 million players on somebody that can stand in the middle and put in shots that are given to his feet in the six yard box you know that's that's great and everything but then what happens if somebody else gets injured you need him to fill in, to fill in elsewhere. And I'm I'm a, a big fan of versatility in football. I think versatility is hugely undervalued. So who can you get for sixty million? Is the is would be the follow up question, obviously. Anthony Martial. I mean, maybe yeah. Maybe. Four months ago, four months ago, Anthony Martial going to Bayern for sixty million would be a very very good deal. Yeah, especially if if you look at what he's doing at Man United now, I. It may be a bit unrealistic to get him for sixty million. I guess it also kind of depends on what happens with his contract, because um, there is that whole obscure. And what happens with Mourinho as well? Yeah, because I, if Mourinho is going to go, Martial will stay. Um, that's almost a given. But just to answer your question, someone like him, uh, Tim talked about it last week. I think Memphis Depay is another. Maybe yeah, but here. I think 
either one. I think you don't get Nabil Fakir for 60 million. I think that, that, that that's not, not really possible. You would have to yeah. be exceptionally lucky or, the, or there would have to be some uh, quite specific circumstances to get Nabil Fakir for 60 million, I feel like. And the same is true for guys like, I, I don't know, Timo Werner or something like that. I think that ship has also sailed mm-hmm. uh, in the 60 million uh, kind of region. They are talking about him going to Barcelona and stuff like that. Uh, so... I, th- I think that's also not going to happen anymore. Maybe Julian Brandt. Everything above that is kind of uh, no, no longer possible if we're talking about 60 million max, I, I feel like. Yeah, it's the danger of having players that have one particular season in the Bundesliga that is just so head and shoulders above everybody else to players like Timo Werner in his first season. Well, in his first season at Leipzig in the Bundesliga, he was incredible and almost instantly his uh, market value went from here to like right away to the top and after about six months people were saying oh he's going to go to Real Madrid he's going to go to Barcelona etc it's the same with Leroy Sane he was fine at Schalke and then all of a sudden he was very good at Schalke and he's the Mm -hmm. exact sort of player that Bayern could really do with right now okay attitude aside his ability is astounding that ship has long sailed so I think it's now a matter of Bayern need to kind of be doing business that they really should have been doing a while ago. So this concept of getting Anthony Martial for 60 million, a few months ago, that was entirely possible. Yeah, but that was possible. It's a matter yeah. of like waiting too long, waiting for the perfect yeah. deal and holding out for, well, I guess holding out for less, I suppose. I mean, if you have actual needs, you have actual positions where you need some new players and you need them not in two years, not in three years, but next summer. Mm-hmm. You only want to spend 60 million. You want them to have played at least two or three great seasons. And you also want to get younger. <laughs> um, maybe that's that's not happening so much. Well, I think we're going to have to wrap it up there uh, for the sake of time. Um, but you can follow us all or follow us on Twitter at SuperBionPod. Um, email us at SuperBionPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear some feedback from any of you guys. Um, you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or whatever podcast catcher that you might use. Um, if you have enjoyed us, please leave a rating and review. Uh, tell your friends, spread the word. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.